0: Amen. 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 Good morning, church. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to be here at Austin uh, Ox. Uh, we arrived yesterday in Austin, so we are trying to wake up, uh, uh, but it's a beautiful thing to be here. Um, it feels like being home. I've been here several times. Your church has been in partnership with African New Life. Uh, for you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Charles Mugisha. I'm the founder and the president of African New Life Ministries. My wife, Florencey is right here. We've been here many times. And my daughter uh, is also around here. Uh, we just want to thank you for years of partnership. Um, About uh, 21 years ago, we started African New Life Ministries. And we started African New Life Ministries as a response to what had happened in our home country of Rwanda, where we come from. In 1994, we had a genocide that claimed nearly a million people in 90 days. And as a result, so many people became refugees, children were left behind, and the country was in turmoil. I remember I was around the, uh, 26, then 27. I started doing ministry in Rwanda, and God gave me a vision. And the vision for me was we can run away, or we can stay and represent God in the middle of the turmoil. And out of that, God called me and my wife to come to America to go to seminary in Portland, Oregon at Mount Norma uh, School of the Bible then, um, Mount Norma University now. And even when we were in Mount Norma in Portland, Oregon, we still clearly felt the voice of God. You are here to be trained and to go start a ministry. And we called it a ministry of the two hands of the gospel. One hand is to proclaim the gospel and teach the gospel. And another hand is to reach out to those who are vulnerable and hurting is a compassionate ministry. Preaching and and compassion together. We started out with supporting 29 children. Today, a little bit over 11,000 children is sponsored in Rwanda. Uh, Thank you. Eight churches have been planted, um, a, number, a hospital, uh, a theological college to train pastors. Uh, 350 plus students are studying the Bible in a college that is fully accredited. And God has done amazing things in the last 21 years. And you guys have been much of this story, possibly for the last 10 years plus, sponsoring children. Your church is sponsoring about 280 children in Rwanda. And we brought more children that need to be sponsored. They will be outside here. You can get involved for $39 a month to sponsor a child. But also, in the middle of COVID, this church... Has helped us build two churches in Rwanda. Beautiful churches. Uh, two, two communities. Now, I'm not talking about tiny churches, I'm talking about real churches um, that are impacting the community by preaching the gospel and acting compassionately in those areas. So, your pastor came over to launch uh, Kalangazi Church in the Eastern Province of rwanda and then on easter you helped us launch another one and that is nyamirama and those are two churches out of your church here so i want you to remember that in the middle of covid you've given birth to new churches two new churches in rwanda and you're helping us do evangelism Because the best way for us to do evangelism is to actually plant a church and stay in the community long term for generations to come and bring people to Jesus Christ and raise up these sponsored children to love Jesus and to follow him. So this summer, we're expecting a team, I think of 12 or 15 from your church to come to Rwanda, and we are eagerly waiting to see you there. You can cool off. By coming to Rwanda in summer. (laughs) And if you haven't registered, get registered. And let's come and let us spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to say thank you so much for your partnership. I know Pastor Blandon is on sabbatical. When he comes back, tell him, Pastor Charles Saidi, thank you so much for your partnership. Uh, Let us pray Uh, God, I come before you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to stand before your children and speak on your behalf. I lift up my voice, my entire being, and I ask you, the Holy Spirit, to speak through me and to your children this morning. I know that you have a word for us, a word for someone in this place. And God, out of everything I'll say, please... May someone hear your voice, speak to him. In the name of our Lord Jesus, I ask you. Amen. Amen. Okay. I really have a message which I believe is from God for someone here. Because sometimes God will send a specific message in a season to move us to the next level of our lives. The message today is God's invitation to a new season. God is invitation to a new season. God is inviting you to a new season. In the book of Ecclesiastics, chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There's time and there is a season. Now, in the Western world, you guys love to measure life and activities in terms of hours and days and months and years. It's like everything in this culture has to be measured. And if you can't measure it, it's not worth doing. Okay. Now, I come from a culture where we don't measure everything, but we enjoy everything. Okay. Uh, it's, um, but I want to say that life is much better measured, not in hours and days and months and years, but in seasons, in seasons, different seasons of our lives. Life has transitions. For example, you have a transition from high school to college. That is a transition. You have a transition from being a single person to being a married person. And I remember the transition for my life. It took about two years to get married. I was very slow. Okay? And then there's a time when you actually transition to not only being married, but to becoming a mother, to becoming a father. A transition from one job to another job. These changes will even change our lifestyle. They will change the way we dress, they will change the way we sleep, they will change when we sleep and when we wake up, they will change us. They will even change our locations. We move to new locations because we are going through a change, and as a result, we are managing change. Now, it's interesting that human beings are more prepared to manage physical changes, but less prepared to manage spiritual changes in their lives. We we are more in tune with what happens physically, but very little in tune with what happens spiritually in our lives. I want to declare that God has a new season also for your spiritual life and God wants to lead you into a new season, a new way, a new way of rejuvenating you, a new way of blessing you, a new way of giving you new wine. You know, uh, Austin has a number of pubs. It seems people fly from New York to come take a sip on a weekend in, in Austin, in an Austin pub. And, and people get excited out there because they are taking some wine. Man, God wants us to be excited in his house because he's sending spiritual wine to us. He's doing something new in our lives. Now, when God begins to do something new in your life, there are a number of things that begin to happen. And possibly one of those things is the reason you are here This morning is the reason you are listening to my voice. It's the reason you had to wake up and come to church this morning. One of the things God will do, God will give you a feel of restlessness. Like you don't feel rested. And I am not talking about physically, but spiritually. And inside your spirit, you feel like you need something you don't know. You have a sense of emptiness, which cannot be filled by a good bagger. It just can't make it right. You have a spiritual vacuum. You want something new from the Lord. You feel a sense of urgency and lack of contentment, but you also want to overcome routine in your spiritual life. You are in a need of God. You have a spiritual hunger without fullness. You know, I became a believer when I was 17 years of age. I was the first person in my village to become a believer, and in my family, it was really, uh, I remember those days, beautiful, beautiful. I had opposition every side, but man, no one could stop me. No one could stop me on the entire village. And I started winning a number of younger people to Christ on, on my village. It was like a revival. By 1920, I was preaching, Woo, you don't want to see me in my early 20s, I was on fire for Jesus. And I'm still on fire for Jesus. But you know, about six, seven years ago, I felt like uh, I'm restless. I need something uh, new in my 50s from the Lord in my 40s. I was in my late 40s. And I felt like uh, mm-mm, I want my youthful spiritual life rejuvenated. This body can get old, but inside me, I can become new every morning because my spirit uh, has no age. God was doing something new. For us in leadership when we start sensing this hunger, we got every possible conference. We got every possible prayer meeting. We are asking God to refresh us. We are asking God to refresh our worship. We are asking God to give us revived spiritual experiences. The past is overdue. You are saying, God, give me more. In other words, inside you, you begin to have a cry similar to David's cry in Psalms chapter 42. When David said, as a deer, Pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I want to have an encounter with God. I want to meet with God. I want to go meet with God and have a conversation with God in his word. I want to have a conversation with God through prayer i want to have an encounter with god through holy communion i want all these spiritual elements once again to make meaning in my life i'm restless in moments like this we pray and pray and pray and god delights in answering our prayers But also, when God is beginning to lead you into a new season, God gives you a sense of a new beginning. It's like you are beginning something new. You are something, yes, you've been going to church for 20 years, but it's like God is beginning something new. You've been going to church for five years, but it's like God is beginning something new. Possibly you used to go to church when you were a little, your, your parents used to take you to Sunday school, but in between college and a job, you lost it. But somehow God is again beginning something new, because God is in the business of redeeming His children. That's why, church, I want you not only to be aware of your physical changes and seasons of jobs and marriages and work, but also to be in tune with God about your spirituality, about your inner life with God, about your connection with God. Because without a connection with God, our entire life is at loss, And lost and God begins to give us this new beginning and when God begins to give you this new beginning you want to reach out to something new and at that moment you need teachers you need spiritual coaches you need helpers you need a pastor you need a church Need a Bible study because God is beginning to do something new in your life. You need to engage in some kind of ministry within your local church. Maybe you need to go on for a mission trip. You are big, God is beginning something new. You sense something you don't understand, but one thing you know that this newness is from the Lord. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Verse 13 and 14. I like what Paul says. Paul was a man who encountered God in so many ways. Started different ministries and churches and wrote books. But this man was never contented. He was always looking out for more of what the Lord has for him on his journey to eternity. And Paul says, brothers and sisters... I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead. And I love the next part. It says, I press on. I press on. I'm pushing forward. I'm sensing something new. I'm restless toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, In Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm not letting the past hinder me from experiencing full life in Christ. Whatever has happened is not going to hinder me. Offense is not going to hinder me. Sin is not going to hinder me. Disappointments are not going to hinder me. What has happened to churches and church leaders it's not going to hinder me. Nothing. My parents are not going to hinder me. My village is not going to hinder me. I, Like I told you, I became a believer in a village with no believers, a family with no believers, and nothing would actually hinder me. Finally, my mom became a believer. My brothers became a believer. My cousins became a believer. My believers, my neighbors became believers. Nothing could hinder me. I'm pressing on. I want renewal. I want a new release. I want to let the past go. Yes, yesterday, yesterday is gone. I want to look at my current life with fresh eyes. Fresh eyes. I want to see a new, I want to see new colors. I want to see the world in new colors. If you are like me, I like new things. I love new things. I love new houses. I love new things. I want to see everything fresh. New colors, new logos, new friends, new people. You know, our church went into a season when we, and that's about like seven years ago, when we became more of a club. Everyone loved each other, we knew each other. The worship leaders loved each other, I mean, we, everybody was happy with each other, but we had become so happy with each other to the extent that the new people could not enter into the church, because they could not find friendship and relationships. And God, in his sovereign plan, he began to shake up our church. And one of the things that happened, our worship leader resigned. That really shocked me up. And a number of other worship leaders, they loved the worship leader, so they resigned. So in a twinkling of an eye, one of the, the worship leaders called me and said, Pastor, we don't have a worship team on Sunday." And I told her, you know, if you guys can't worship, I'm coming to preach. And I'm going to preach till Christ comes down, till the power of God comes down. A few months later, God raised up new worship leaders in the church. And since then, our church has become one of the best worshiping church in the city. And not only that, the church has doubled. What happened? We got new people. And new people welcomed the new people. (laughs) And we became a fresh river. And it became a new beginning in our lives. God always wants to give us something new. We need to be very careful not to be tied up with the old. Because our God is new. Lamentations says, chapter 3, verse 22 to 23, His compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. And I love 23. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. Each day we expect something new. So how do you respond when you sense God leading you in a new season? How do you respond when you have a hunger for him? How do you respond? You have this hunger that can't be filled. How do you respond when you sense a new beginning? Number one, I want to begin with Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19, because the past tends to be what stops us into entering the future. So God calls the children of Israel, and he says, forget the former things, things erase them out of your mind don't dwell on the past he's not saying don't look at the past but he says don't dwell there move on see I am doing a new thing now it springs up don't you not perceive it it springs up don't you perceive it don't you see what I am doing in other words, God says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Out there in the wilderness I am making a way. I'm providing a path in a place where there was no path before. I am putting a road where there was no road before. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? Can you actually change your vision and start having a dream. Can you dream again? God invites us to dream again, to see what he is doing, to see what is springing up, to perceive what God is doing in our families, what God is doing in our churches. In other words, God invites us in this kind of season to open our mind to possibilities. Especially when you've had a lot of loss and you've had disappointments and people have hurt you or abandoned you or left you or closed your business down, whatever you are going through, it's very easy to be stuck in the past and not be able to see new opportunities. Like I said, our God is a God who begins something new in our lives. That's why the Bible says that when we come to Christ, what happens? We become new creatures. The past is gone, new. And God, every now and then, gives us an opportunity to start over. He breaks our heart with the things that break his heart. 94 was a year of loss in Rwanda. And in the middle of the nightmares God invited me to have a dream for the nation. And out of that of 11,000 children are having a life. Listen to the dream giver through the Holy Spirit. Because he will speak to you. Be willing to allow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and leadings in your life. Spend significant time in prayer and in the word. Learn to wait on the wall. Because sometimes you feel like you are on the wall. Like you are not having a breakthrough. You're on the wall. You're wailing at the wall. And what I discovered at the wall, I call it the wall experiencing. God forms my heart. God forms my character. God transforms me and he prepares me for the blessing he's about to pour. Number three. Number two. Wake up spiritually. Wake up. You know, some of us don't want to wake up. We love to sleep. We love to sleep. Especially young people love to sleep. They don't want to wake up. But you know, if you want to wake up some people, what do you do? You make some noise. And sometimes the way God wakes us up spiritually, he puts noise in our lives. And if you're hearing that noise in your life, like spiritual noise, things are happening inside there, God is saying, wake up. Wake up, America. Wake up, Texas. Wake up spiritually. Be awake spiritually. In other words, God wants to give you a spiritual awakening. He wants to begin something new in your life. What, does, what do I mean by waking up spiritually? Reevaluate your commitment to Jesus. Reevaluate your commitment to Jesus. Because the only thing that matters in our life is having the best of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now every time you have things, including jobs, whatever it is competing with Jesus, it's not a good idea. In other words, what competes with Christ in our lives becomes an idol. You know, many times, we, especially in the Western culture, when we think of idol worship, we think of the Assyrians, and we think of the Canaanites, and maybe African people worshiping pieces of wood as a god. But you know, we also have our, our own modern gods. Our computers can be our gods. Whatever you spend time on. So that's what's the call. The call is that wake up spiritually, focus on Jesus more. Provide space and life and time in your life for Jesus. Possibly that's the reason you are here this morning. Seek to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Realign your life with God because anything that doesn't realign with God and the Holy Spirit in our lives is bound to be broken. So if you want your life strengthened, let us come back to the center. And let us make the main thing the main thing. And the main thing in our lives is Jesus, the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins. He did not only stay on the cross but was buried on the third day. He rose from the dead and Jesus is alive and reigning all over the world, over all the nations. He has power in heaven and power on earth and is in control of everything. We want... To realign our lives with him. I love the way Isaiah wakes up the children of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 to 3, and he says, Awake, awake, Zion. You belong to God, awake. Close yourself with strength. Come on, get a cup of coffee spiritually and wake up. Okay, close yourself with strength. Get some strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised and the defiled will not enter you again. You're about to have your victory. Shake off your dust. Rise up and throne Jerusalem. Free yourselves from the chains on your neck, daughter of Zion. Now a captive. This is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing, and without money, you'll be redeemed. You will be redeemed. You will be redeemed. Wake up spiritually. Be aware of what God is doing all around us. Let us restore our awareness of Jesus, our awareness of the Spirit of God among us. How do you do that? You restore this through prayer, through communion with God. You restore this by reading the Word of God. But You restore this by committing yourself to a group of other believers in your community so that as a community you can enhance your awareness of God number three embrace change you can't have a new you cannot have a new season without change now we don't like change it, depending on your personality introverts don't like change men they don't like change change seems to be something they don't work with extroverts see a little bit eh? But none of us likes change. But let me tell you something about change. No change, no growth. If you can't change, you can grow. Not, change is a sign of growth. Change is an opportunity for the new. Change is an opportunity for something new and exciting. And exciting. Ecclesiastic, chapter 3, talks about this new. Declares there is a time for everything. And in time, God makes everything beautiful. What seems like a season of hardship, confusion, restlessness, could be preparation for what God has, has waiting on the other side for you. God has something new waiting for you on the other side of the tunnel. So he says in Isaiah again, 43, 18, to 19, remember none the former things. Don't be trapped in the old way of doing things. You can never put God in a box. To even make it clear, you cannot put God in the circumference of your brain. Some people are very smart, I'm sorry, you can't put God here, he's bigger than anything you can ever think of. So remember not the former things, nor consider the things of the old. Why? Behold, I am doing something new. I really believe this morning, God has something new for our churches. God has something new for your family. God has something new for you as an individual. And I strongly believe that's the reason The Spirit of God prompted you to be here. Now, one of our biggest challenges when God is beginning to do something new is fear. We are afraid of the new, we are afraid of stepping into the unknown. And listen to what God told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It's over there. I love that one. He says, Be strong and be courageous, don't be afraid. Or terrified. I mean, there are some four important words there. Number one, be strong. Number two, be courageous. Number three, don't be afraid. Number four, don't be terrified. It's like uh, in four different ways, God is saying, pick up your mat and walk. Allow me to start something new in your life. It's like God is saying, jump into the waters. I am going to be with you. Step out spiritually and do something you've never done before, like you've never done before, something you've always been afraid of doing spiritually. Maybe you've been afraid of spending time with a few brothers and sisters in a smaller group, jump into it and start. Maybe you've been afraid for years to go on a mission trip to Africa and you've believed all these false stories about Africa. Jump out, get on a plane, do something out of the ordinary. Maybe you've always been afraid of serving in the church Because you were a pastor's son or pastor's daughter, and your dad and mom were so committed to church, you don't want to get involved too much because you may get over-involved like your parents. Come on, jump out. Do what you fear again. Be strong. Be courageous. Close your eyes and pray for 20 minutes. You've been afraid of praying for 20 minutes. Close your eyes and pray for 30 minutes. Maybe you've been afraid of fasting and you think when you don't eat food for 12 hours, you die. You won't die. Take a step and go without food for 12 hours and fast and see what God would do in your life. Maybe inside the church you are afraid of being expressive and putting your hands up and clapping your hands for Jesus. You are you are more excited on a soccer game and a football game than you are excited in the church. Okay, now it comes back in the church. Be courageous. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Praise Jesus. Bust out in praise. Allow the Lord to do a new thing. For the Bible says, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. God loves you. And he wants to do a new work in my life in your life, in our families, and in our churches again. This is a new season. Let's stand up and pray and thank God for what He's doing in our lives. And just before we pray, I just want to give you a moment. To listen to the voice of God. What is God challenging you to do? What steps of awakening is asking you to take? The spirit of God is in this place. When God's children gather, he gathers with them. God says in his word that I will be with you. I will not forsake you. God, we come before you. You promised us your presence. And your presence gives us strength. Your presence gives us courage. Your presence drives our fear. Your presence delivers us from terror. Lord, we come before you. We embrace the new you are doing. So, Father, give us the power to dream again. Oh, give us the power to see everything new. Give us the grace to embrace the change. Here we are with you start your work again in our lives by your grace. I do ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.